Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So Adam, the other day I'm sitting at the table with my daughter and she's having dinner and I used the word genre and she said, and my daughter's four, and she said, what's genre? And I said, well, it's, it's a type of something. So like a TV show. So you'd say different types of TV shows. TV shows have different genres like comedies. They make you laugh, sports, drama. And she said, well, what's drama? And I said, well, a drama is something that can make you emotional. It can make you happy. It can make you sad. It can make you cry. And she said, oh, so this is us as a drama? I said, yeah. How did you know? She said, well, because you cry every week. And, and, mom, and mom doesn't, right? I said, you're right. I cry every week. I have a lump in my throat every episode. And if I don't cry during the episode, I cry at the previews for next week. But I cry every single episode. She said, why doesn't mom cry? I said, well, that's a good question. I didn't, want to tell, I didn't want to tell my daughter that I question my wife's heart sometimes, but I, I said, that is a good question, Eden, and, uh, and I don't know, um, but, uh, but I'm sure mom does get sad sometimes. I love that. I love that. So, Noah, you're a crier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I get that from my mom. Like, I'll cry at commercials. So when my mom, I remember being in the movie theater, seeing The Lion King when we were kids. And my dad looking over at the two of us and saying, are you two crying? Uh, yeah, yeah, the two of us are crying. Yep, I, hope it was, I hope it was the scene when the lion died, though, at least, right? Uh, I guess we're over spoiler alerts. It's been about 30 years. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, just wanted to make yeah. sure. I, yeah. You know, speaking of crying, I, I have a story for you. Know, so in college, I uh, had an intramural teammate who was a complete lunatic. I love him to death, and I and I, I say that in the most endearing of terms. He, he he's a sweet guy. He's such a good person. But when we were in school together, he was one of the most competitive. He was the most competitive person I've ever been around. We'd we'd go to shoot around, and go to the gym, and we'd just be shooting around talking. And he'd immediately want to play one on one. And the moment we started, if I started to hit shots, he's cursing, yelling at me, going crazy. One of these guys on the basketball court, excellent athlete, but was a gnat you know, would just drive you crazy. And he was mm-hmm. tough. He was a strong kid, had played football in high school, was recruited to play football in college. And he was on a very, very good high school basketball team in Massachusetts. And uh, so anyway, we're in college together and we're playing in an intramural game. And he just starts talking trash to the guy that he's guarding and driving him crazy. And he would do this every game. But this one kid in particular was getting so fired up that finally on one possession, the kid is bringing the ball down the court and my buddy, Eric Thompson's his name, so I'm going to make sure he listens to this. And Thompson is just jawing at this kid, and the kid's dribbling the ball, dribbling the ball. Finally, the kid, while keeping his dribble, pulls back and punches Thompson in the face Whoa. during the middle of the game while he's keeping his dribble. And the thing was, the refs were so annoyed by the way Thompson was talking that they gave them both technicals Whoa. for it. They gave them both technicals for it, 
and that was and that was basically it. So the refs were that annoyed by the way that Thompson was that uh, both those guys got technicals. I've never seen a guy throw a punch before and keep his dribble. It was really impressive. Whoa, so, whoa. so wait, what did you do? Uh, laughed. We all laughed. We thought it was hysterical. We were probably the first teammates in history that saw their teammate get punched and laughed about it because we so had thought it, about it doing that for a long time. It didn't lead to a fight? No. No, it didn't lead to a fight. It, Thompson was the kind of guy that was sort of ready for all this kind of thing because he was always in your face and knew that at any point that you would go off, and, and he sort of reveled in it. So, yeah, they both got technicals. I mean, how does Thompson get a technical for getting punched in the face while playing defense? It was incredible. Man. Yeah, I guess that was that was some transition you made. Speaking of crying, yeah, that's uh, yeah, a dynamite, dynamite transition. The Catch and Shoot podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot goes well with both red and white, and is perfect with a workout of your choice. Our co-hosts are on both coasts, and they have all of NBA Nation covered. Adam Stanko in the Bay Area, and Noah Kozlov in the Big Apple. The Catch and Shoot podcast brought to you by Pure Hoops Media. And as the Beatles sang in Sgt. Pepper, we hope you enjoy the show. I guess I'm not going to sing anymore. We have three weekly podcasts. This one called Catch and Shoot with me, Noah Kozlov, and Adam Stanko. That drops every Wednesday. Pure Hoops Media also presents the Pure Hoops podcast with NBA champion BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. And then that show drops on Friday. And then you've got the Wise-Ass Show featuring Mike Wise. The Wise-Ass drops in for visits on Monday. So please subscribe, tell your friends. They'll thank you. And so will we. Time to hit the spread. All right, so it's going to be all Anthony Davis until we go off the rails. And then we talk about next week's headlines later in the show, Adam. So I've purposely not listened to... Any other? I've read a few things, but I've purposely not listened to any other podcasts so far this week as we record this on Tuesday night. So nothing Sunday night, nothing Monday, nothing during the day today about Anthony Davis. So my first thought was, all right, yeah, of course, not not surprised. I heard, and we'd even talked about it. I think on our first episode a few weeks ago that I've been told already that he is that he is checked out. Are you surprised? And, and that's how we'll get the conversation started. Are we? Are you surprised at all about? The timing of this? Uh, no, I'm not surprised about the timing. First of all, because you had brought it up a couple weeks ago with your insider information. I love that, by the yeah, way, right. that you were the first on the uh, Anthony Davis story. Yeah, first, uh, first one. Yeah. <laughs> the first guy. Uh, you sources say. Uh, right, right, right. But I, I, you know, I think the whole thing is, is fascinating for a multitude of reasons. But as far as the timing is concerned, I, I think it's interesting more than more than even a surprise. I, I think what makes it so fascinating to me is that in these situations where players are demanding a trade, it's oftentimes when their contract is expiring in that given year, which forces the team's hand. This one obviously is so unique in the sense that he turns down the, the Supermax, which sort of gets us away from the old basketball adage of all NBA players care about are money, minutes, and shots. Uh, and I think it shows in a lot of ways, and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but the idea that times are changing in that regard, in that, mm-hmm. in that now all of a sudden, and I, I talked to uh, Don McLean about this, you know, played in the NBA for, for 10 years, former most improved player in the league. And, and I asked Don about why he this would happen. most improved player? He did. He did his second year. 
Really? Second year. I, I yep. have something. I have something against second year players. By the way, winning most improved player. Like that's like totally the whole. Fair. That's like the whole Chris Rock thing about like, I take care of my kids, and you're like, well, yeah, you're supposed to. What you want to cookie? So- like, like the second year in the second year in the league, you're supposed to get better. And even more annoying than that is when they give it to the guy that just happened to get more playing time. So of course his numbers improve. Yeah. Like we always knew the he didn't get any better. It's just he got more opportunity. It shouldn't be the most opportunistic player. It should just literally be the most improved. That's a pet peeve of mine. But the interesting thing that Don did say about this whole thing. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. He dropped, I just looked it up. He scored eighteen a game in ninety four. Yes. yes. Don Man, is did, Don did is UCLA's. Don is UCLA's all-time leading scorer. He's the Pac-12's all-time leading scorer. I right, know, and, and that and that question, that trivia question, is the all-timer. Like you ask people that about UCLA, and the people will guess like fifteen names. Actually, I'd say they'll guess like thirty names before they get to Don McLean, which is crazy. But but I just don't remember him ever scoring eighteen a game at all in the NBA. That's wild. Yeah, he was he was much better than than he gets credit for. His, yeah, well, uh, it's, a, it's a good thing he got traded for Robert Pack. That's what I'm looking at now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nuggets okay. legend Robert Pack. You, yeah, just that. Just ask him that way. Yeah, I think he's. The, I think he's. I think he's a coach now, Robert Pack. I think he is too. Anyway, I think you're right. So, but Don's point on this, and I thought it was fascinating. He works out a lot of guys for for the NBA draft, uh, and he brought up the point that, in a weird way, we may have passed the money threshold where guys are making so much now. That, of course, the difference between 240 million and 208 million is a big deal. Of course, that we're talking over 30 million dollars. But his point on this is that at a certain point, guys are realizing it almost doesn't matter. And we've always said that. Like, how can guys complain about feeding their family or making sure they have enough money? They're making millions upon millions. But now guys have made so much money and are seeing sort of the bigger picture. And so I, I, I just think though. That with this, with the financials, I think the most fascinating part to me is that Anthony Davis and Clutch Sports and his agent Rich Paul are trying to manipulate the situation when a team could trade for him and have two playoff runs with him, which is why I think the Lakers thing is, is bananas, and we'll get to it, I'm sure. But so to me, you talk about the timing of this. I know they want to force their hand and before the trade deadline, but you could be a playoff team and trade for him and get Two playoff runs out of Anthony Davis. I find that fascinating to me, that it opens up the door of possibilities. Because typically you have a Jimmy Butler situation or even a Paul George situation where the team is like, all right, well, I'm going to get him for a year and then hope I can convince him to stay and, and hope that he agrees even to go to that place in the first place. He doesn't have to agree to go anywhere, and the Pelicans could say, hey, we're sending you to Toronto, and that's where he ends up. And guess what? Toronto's going to get some value because they're going to have him for two playoff runs. Right, exactly, and and that's – I forget who it was. I want to say it was someone on Simmons' podcast, but I don't think it was Bill Moose's guest who, who coined the term pre-agency, that, mm-hmm. it's the, that it's the year before free agency. It's your, it's your pre-free agency, so pre-agency, and, that, and that's a real thing. And in the NBA now, guys are – like that's where you're looking ahead. I mean, Howard Beck from Bleach Report wrote that whole thing about next year being the, the Giannis pre-agency year. And that's so. Front offices are now are now looking ahead at that. So yeah. So I think it. I think you said it right. It opens it up for Anthony Davis to go any number of places because you don't even need the depending on where you are in your timeline with the veterans on your team and, and how you view your squad. 
then you don't have to be looking at it as, all right, well, all right, well, if we don't win this year, then all right, then we'll just blow it up because you do get him for another year. So you mentioned Toronto. So having Anthony Davis, could that convince Kawhi to stay? Well, I don't know. But if you don't even, but if you don't have him, if you lose Kawhi, then maybe it's Anthony Davis who takes the Raptors to the Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe the, or to the NBA Finals, or, or maybe it's the Bucks that could do it and keep him for two years, and then you've got Giannis there with him. So, but again, also when thinking about trades, you got to think about who's coming back in return and. Do the Pelicans, are, are the Pelicans getting, so, I mean, every team could use Anthony Davis, just a matter of what do the Pelicans want in return? And are the Pelicans are thinking, all right, we're going to get rid of Anthony Davis. We're going to tank or we're going to keep, we're going to have, we're going to hold on to Drew Holiday and not trade Drew with Anthony Davis, which they could do. Mm-hmm. And then we'll try to, then we'll try to compete and stay relevant which, you know, is obviously much more difficult in the Western Conference. So I was starting to think about the deals that could involve Drew and Anthony and Anthony Davis, and it makes me think of the Sixers. Like, if you could you could move Drew and Anthony Davis to the Sixers and Ben Simmons goes back, and I know I've, you know, I always think Philadelphia first, but a framework of something like that with, and then, all right, throw in Miritich. I mean, you could just, you could really change the fortunes of the Sixers, and I also think then you end up um, relieving the Pelicans of, of a whole lot of money also. Yeah, the, the possibilities are endless. But the weird part is it feels inevitable by all the reporting and the way that everyone's talking about it. And, of course, the, the, the timing of this, as you, as you initially pointed out, plus Rich Paul and, and Clutch Sports and their association with LeBron James, how close they are. Yeah. Um, it, it obviously feels that the Lakers are the team. Right. So so that's sort of the presumption that everyone's making, that it's going to be the Lakers. Right. But it's, issue- so funny. it's so funny because because Anthony Davis, kind of like Kawhi, he never says anything. He doesn't see he doesn't say anything. We're just assuming all of this from his agent. Because yes. AD, AD never says anything. Yes. But but wouldn't you agree, though, that in this case, it different from Kawhi. In this case, that there's there are clear intentions from Anthony Davis. They're just being leaked by the agent, especially because his agent has that those connections. I mean, so much of NBA reporting now, especially the big big stories, come from the agents. They're the ones that that get the information oh, out yeah. there. And so, I have to assume, unlike the Kawhi situation, where guys sort of guess what you know, and we don't really know his personality. I agree. Anthony Davis does not say much publicly at all. He doesn't say anything at all publicly we don't know anthony davis um but we know Kawhi less but i think the anthony davis situation is just unique because his particular agent we know has been floating this stuff and trying to get him to play alongside lebron and i think i think before we even get into the other possibilities and the other teams and you touched on it sixers are one of them that's really fascinating and the drew holiday factor is fascinating i think we start with this lakers situation and i think we start at the beginning and say what did the Lakers want to become when, when LeBron first joined the team? And I think that Magic, Rob Palenka, and LeBron got together and said, look, here's our game plan. Let's take it slow this first year as we figure things out. And our whole team can be stacked with a whole bunch of guys on one-year deals who are wild cards. The Rondos of the world, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee. We fill up this whole 
roster with all these these guys. And then from there, you you then say, we also have the young guys. And if they pan out, the guys like Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, if, if those guys, and Lonzo Ball, of course, if those guys pan out, we keep them. And if not, we move on, but they're good assets. So we have tons of cap flexibility, and we have all of these expiring contracts, we can make the decision as to what our team looks like. That's the way you handle today's NBA. And yet, I think at some point this year, LeBron, while he's been sitting out, or even before, or maybe because Anthony Davis was tired in New Orleans, I think LeBron and Magic got impatient and said, scrap it, let's try to get those guys now. Shocking. What are your thoughts? Shocking. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, LeBron, I mean, I I take everything LeBron says with with a grain of salt when it comes to patience, because that's not something that LeBron ever is he's, he's not patient he doesn't he doesn't have patience in him so when he says yep we're gonna take it slow our expectations are no no lebron lebron doesn't want to miss the playoffs and lebron wants to compete lebron lebron's not going to be playing in the nba when he's not a top 10 player in the league it's it's that that being patient and being mediocre are not options for lebron at all so I think totally, he, but and think, don't. But before you go on, Noah, don't you think that that was their initial game plan was to play at a slow role this year, or do you think LeBron never had that as an? No, intention? I don't. I don't think LeBron ever had that intention, I, and I, I don't think LeBron thought that the young guys weren't going to be as up for this as they seemed to be, because look, they, I mean, they could have, they they could have traded for Kawhi. But there's so much pressure, and I think I think Anthony Davis has been on the radar ever since they got LeBron, and even before LeBron. It just makes it a whole lot easier because Rich Paul is involved, and Kentavious Caldwell Pope is there, so Rich Paul can could have could be hanging around all of last year and work out this LeBron stuff. No, I, I don't think LeBron. I don't I don't think LeBron was a a slow roll guy ever. I mean, he talked about it with uh, when he went back to Cleveland that first time. Ah, oh, this you know we're gonna take it slow and take it slow. And then, well, he left Andrew Wiggins out of that letter, which was smart because he knew they were going to trade him, and that was mm-hmm. it. So, but he said, you know, our expectations aren't, you know, we don't have expectations yet. No, come on. LeBron always has expectations. So I do think that the assets have diminished a little bit, but I also think the Lakers are facing immense pressure because they didn't get Paul George, and... All indications are that Kawhi is not going to go there, and they and they did not trade for Kawhi, and, and you know who knows if the, if the Spurs would have done that anyway. Um, but they are under immense pressure to make this happen. But their best offer isn't go isn't better than what the Celtics offer could be after the trade deadline, or I mean after the season ends once that designated player exception gets off, or the uh, the Rosewell gets off for um, for Kyrie. So. Whatever, whatever one of those rules there are, there's so many exceptions in this in the, in the CBA. Yes. Um, but you can't have the two guys under this under similar contract. So they've got to throw everything they have to get them. But the fact is, right now, the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans hold the cards here. Pelicans. The Pelicans don't have to trade him because and and the value of AD isn't going down because they know what the Celtics can and most likely will offer. If that yes. wasn't on the table, it would be a different story. Yes. I agree with all of that. 
And I, I think that it's just fascinating to me that I think the Lakers thought that they would be just competing with the Celtics, and that's what made this rush to do it before the trade deadline would give the Lakers an advantage, throw, as you say, the kitchen sink yeah. as an offer. But the only thing is, as we pointed out, everyone's now in play because it's before the trade deadline. Because Wait, you are a question, real quick, though, on the Lakers. All right, so say they yeah. throw the the kitchen sink, they throw everything. I go, oh, what, so what does that leave the Lakers this year? Like, how much, how much better are? I mean, the Lakers are, are definitely better because because Anthony Davis is is that good, you know, three tall, three time All NBA guy. But who who else do they have on that team? Like, you're rolling out Rondo, Lance, Javale, AD, and LeBron. Like and you're good, you're good to go. I, I don't, I don't know. So. I mean, here's the thing: if but wouldn't you make any trade? Forget that it's even this one. Wouldn't you make any trade that makes you better this year? Okay, it, because I I do think Anthony Davis and LeBron and any compilation of whoever they end up keeping on their roster. Um, obviously, the the marquee name for them would be Kuzma, just because not only has he shown real promise this year, but also he's. Uh, on the books for less than two mil per yeah. moving forward, and he so loves he's, LA. Oh, he loves yeah, LA. Oh, he's he's the greatest bargain ever. And we're seeing, I mean, from what he was at Utah and how he just keeps developing. And whether you think that his ceiling is that high or not, he's still the best bargain in the NBA at under two million a year. So it gives them so much flexibility if they could keep him. And obviously, even you know Brandon Ingram's contract isn't even a killer but but that starts to get you know 5.7 this year it's 7.2 next year but but I think you get better this year if you make that deal if you're the Lakers and then in addition to that you obviously next year because you've got all this cap flexibility Maybe you could find mil. a way you could find a way to bring someone else in mm-hmm. you could find a way and with LeBron and Anthony Davis they're competing for a title so if that's Clay, if that's I don't know Cousins, if that's I, I, you bring it up. I mean I don't know that uh, we're going to end up not, seeing Kawhi there. No, nah, you're not going to. I don't think he is either. But but with the, all that being said, I think we're we're talking about a situation with the Lakers where you have to do it if you're them because okay, so you give away everything, you give away the farm, but it but at the end of the day, you're better this year and then next year. Wow, that the potential is great, and then and then they do what they did in Miami and and fill it up with a whole bunch of guys at veterans minimum to play with three stars. I mean, I I, I think that's I think that's the Lakers play. But I I'm so fascinated by the idea that New Orleans ownership now has this incredible thing to figure out where they're getting a lot of public pressure, obviously internally, for Davis to go to the Lakers. But yet, they don't have to do that. And if they make a deal before the deadline, everyone's open for this. Why would you settle on the... I don't care for Kuzma and Ingram and Ball and, you know, an expiring contract to make the, the contracts work and a first-round pick that won't be that valuable. Mm. That'll, I don't care for that. There are so no, many better deals in the league like, right this now. Is, this is Anthony Davis. This is, this is bigger than... Kawhi coming off injury. So and Kawhi got you DeMar DeRozan, an All NBA guy. So so at the very at the very least, let's let's start there with a you know a borderline All NBA guy, and then set yourself up because if they end up with if they end up with crap or guys that don't pan out, 
there's there's always talk about the future of the franchise in New Orleans. And what happens if they're just if they just become completely irrelevant, then then they move. Possibly. Yeah. And then look, those I can't I, I said before that like Kyle Kuzma loves L.A. Like you're going to have that's going to go one of two ways that all those guys are going to say, all right, well, LeBron didn't want us. Let's go out there and show him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they'll rise up as Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center or it's going to be the other way. And it's, you know, completely going to fall apart. And then they're all going to say, nah, screw this place. We're going to we're going to we're going to get out of here, too. But again, you don't need to make the deal now, especially because, you know, and I'm sure the Pelicans and Celtics have already talked. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they talked before Rich Paul came out. And yeah, is tampering? Yeah, yeah, of course. But it, but it happens all the time. I'm sure they've talked. I'm sure they know what is on the table. And if you can start with Jason Tatum and a bunch of those picks that can come your way, all right, there we go. Then then we've then we've got to start. Here's the issue with the Celtics end of it, though, as, as far as I see it. If you're the Celtics, you're going to mortgage your entire future for Anthony Davis, which, I listen, he's worth it. I mean, he's one of the few guys that, that moves the needle in terms of changes your franchise entirely, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on that short list that you put him on any team, and he's going to make them at least competitive, and with another really good player, puts them into elite discussion but but you're doing this if he doesn't want to go to boston and you're the pelicans and you wait until the trade deadline doesn't that celtics offer dry up a little bit though well yeah right so you've got to get from so you've got to believe in the Kyrie relationship and then you've also got to have to believe in the for the Kyrie relationship with ad but also in the Kyrie relationship with the boston celtics that Kyrie wants to be there also. And that's that's not a lock. I mean, I think no. it, would make, it, would, it would make Kyrie look pretty foolish, but that's certainly not a lock because the Celtics, I mean, it's all these, you know, it's it's Kyrie that has gone over the top to make it seem like he wants to stay there. You know, he said it on that season ticket night. He did the the freaking commercial with his dad, yes. the, B, the BU legend, about 11 hanging it. So he said all the right things, but it's not like the Celtics have said, yeah, that's our priority is to re-sign Kyrie. They, they haven't said that. So you got to get you got to make sure that the Kyrie part is there, and then have Kyrie recruit a guy in AD to stay there. Yeah, but it's it's funny to me how for some reason that we're we're assuming that it's Lakers or Celtics, not not we being you and I, but everyone else knows who I'm I'm referring. That's why to. I brought up my Sixers first. I, I I think the Sixers are certainly interesting, and they're not the only ones. I mean. There's teams all over the league. We mentioned the Raptors are a possibility. I think Denver would be interesting if there's something that Denver could figure out. I think Portland is interesting. I, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about teams that – here's who I would say. Teams that have an opportunity to that will be making the playoffs if they were to add Anthony Davis this year. And then I, I, I look at it this way. A year and a half, that's a long time in NBA circles. No one knows what's going to happen after you know, we hit – 2020 so to me i i think he's totally worth there's minimal risk to trade a lot to get anthony davis for the next year and a half to get him for two playoff runs so i'd be willing to give up a lot which means i don't know anymore that the celtics offer this offseason in july is the best deal that's available there for the pelicans we thought it was but now we start to look and no offense to our producer bruce bernstein but 
we now have to start asking, all right, what's, what's Jalen Brown's ceiling? Has he hit it? He didn't take that leap that we expected him to this year. I love Jason Tatum, but now what other pieces are there on the Celtics? And if we say Kyrie's off the table for this, what other pieces are there that excite you if you're a Pelicans fan that are currently on the team? Forget the, forget the draft picks for a moment. But just in terms of the on-the-team assets, Gordon Hayward do anything for you right now? Not right now, but but that's but that's a piece you can work with. Marcus Smart would do the same thing for me. So, for it, right now, for you, if I was to tell you that this offseason you could get uh, whatever the Celtics package could be, or you could pick from any other team in the league and their best offer as of right now, uh, where would you rank the Celtics package? Mm. Yeah, because I haven't thought through every other team's offer. I mean, I don't think... And, and to me, it also depends on whether they're getting rid of Drew also. Because if you had Drew if you had Drew Holiday with Tatum, Hayward, even Marcus Smart, but, yep. Smart, but, but Smart's coming up on a deal too. Um, and, then, and then those picks. But then, again, picks are, picks are just picks. Um, I mean, the, I, I don't, I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't really believe in Terry Rozier. The Knicks aren't going to be, I mean, what is Porzingis? And, and you can wait until the draft at that point to see where, to see where that picks falls. Um, and unless it's, you know, number one, then, then what is it? Um, you know, I would, I wouldn't mind something with, I like what you said about Portland and CJ McCollum's name always comes up always. Yep. So maybe like something with CJ and, and Nurkic, um, Denver certain Den, Denver certainly has. I mean, you could, but are you gonna get rid of Jamal Murray? Okay. I love Jamal Murray. Yeah, yeah, but that's but that's what that's what it's gonna. That's take. what you would have to do. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what it's gonna take. Um, and you, and you certainly, I'd be I'd be okay with that if I'm Denver, of a package involving Jamal Murray as long as then you end up holding on to. Gary Harris and others, um, so that your backcourt isn't completely depleted. I think this. I think the Suns. I think the Suns could get involved. Um, every every team, but I again, I, I still go back to the Sixers. Like I, I think, I mean, I, I I think if you're willing, if the Pelicans are willing to just completely reload or not reload, but um, just hand off everything. Then you could you could just trade a whole bunch of Sixers for a whole bunch of Pelicans and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I think the Sixers are interesting. I, I but the Raptors back. are too. Like if the Raptors yeah. give up, like if if the Raptors say, "All right, we'll start, we'll we'll deal Siakam." Fine. All right, let's do it. Let's get we'll, we'll get rid of Siakam and go from there. I think that's uh, I think I think that should be on the table because again, you're so when you when you look at teams with. A proven star already, or an All NBA guy, or a borderline All NBA guy in his prime, then you've got to add another guy in his prime to that, and that's what AD is. And you know, with with Kawhi there for the rest of this year, and then you also have Kyle. You also have Kyle Lowry. Um, yep. And again, you're in the Eastern Conference. You're in the East. Um, I, I'm 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 interested in I'm interested in that Raptors angle. Yeah, I think I, I think when we start to examine all the playoff teams. I think it makes it really interesting for this year. So I think you've got, if we're on the same page, and I, I think we are, if, if he's dealt before the trade deadline, I would have to imagine it would be a team that's either currently in the playoffs or 
with AD will be in the playoffs for this season, right? right? Do so the you Clippers get... have anything? That is a good question. I don't. I mean, like how, you know, how interesting is Tobias Harris or you know Gallo's always banged up. I mean, yeah, I mean, to, I think know, what uh, Tobias Harris, Shea Gilgis, Alexander. I mean, it depends, and again, it depends on what the where, where the, what the Pelicans want to do. I mean, if, I, if I'm the Pelicans, if you're going to trade AD, let's get rid of Drew Holiday also, and 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 completely remake the look of our franchise. Yeah, and right. and, and Holiday think, by the, the Clippers, way, I think the Clippers would be interesting. The Clippers would be interesting. I mean, there's some really interesting parts there that, you know, Montrezl Harrell, the year that he's having, so far this year, um, like you said, Gallinari. I mean, are they interested in Patrick Beverly? I mean, but they they, but Tobias Harris expiring, right? Patrick mm-hmm. Beverly expiring, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think has to get thrown in any deal that oh, yeah, that yeah, they're doing. Sure. I I totally agree. And the thing is too, Drew Holiday, as you mentioned, I mean, twenty six million though, Drew is is making. So now you're starting to probably talk a third team getting involved. I would imagine to redistribute the salaries. I don't have Unless, the brain power for that. But I but I, I do think now we're we're starting to get into salary territory where we're getting other teams put in. And I agree. That's what, that's when it starts to get dicey. And now, if if look, if the Pelicans are caught by surprise in all this, then they're really in trouble because it's going to limit the amount of deals they can do because their cap experts haven't necessarily figured it out yet. But here's the other scenario: Let's say that they don't trade them at the deadline. Okay, everyone makes the assumption for the Celtics. The other one that's fascinating is this: Whoever gets the number one pick is now talking Zion Williamson. Now we know that moves the needle. Yeah, I'd say. So, but here's the thing: If you're if you're the Knicks, let's say, and you end up with the number one pick, are you giving up Porzingis coming off an injury and a guarantee, Silent Williamson, for Anthony Davis? If it's Anthony Davis and if it's Anthony Davis and Kyrie, yes. If it's if it's just Anthony Davis, no. But if it's Anthony Davis and Kyrie, or you're getting Anthony Davis and then you're getting Kemba Walker. Yes, but I'm I'm not I'm not doing it just for, I'm not doing it just for uh, I'm not doing it just just for Anthony Davis because I'm not I look and, and again for the Pel, for the Pels too the I mean I could totally see Porzingis not re-signing there also no matter what the money is yeah like, well that's want, true I don't think he wants to be there no but well, the, what, the, what would you do what what would you do if you if you were the Knicks would you do that for just for AD or do you have to get somebody else. Would you have to have Kyrie or, or somebody else with him? I think that no, I'm I'm I agree entirely with what you're saying because I think if you're the Knicks, the fact that you could get Zion Williamson in the building would change the franchise. Like it, it would change everything. And you already have Porzingis there. So now all of a sudden New York becomes an exciting place to play. And I, I think now you're attracting free agents, which they've struggled with obviously over the last however long. Uh, I, I, I mean, think they've, they've they've just struggled in everything, in every way. But but I think now, like think about the juice that's going to come back to the Garden to have Zion Williamson there. I think would be unreal. I think he's he's the X factor in all of this because now you're talking about it, which is what makes this whole Anthony Davis thing so fascinating to me. Because how often is it that a guy goes on the trading block? A who's one of the best players in the NBA doesn't happen that often, right? So we're excited already. B, playoff teams are extremely interested because they could all be in the mix this year, 
And then C, whoever has the number one pick would obviously be interested because now Zion Williamson's name gets thrown into this. I think that's what makes this thing so fascinating is that there are so many different ways this could go, which is why I I feel like I'm going to be so let down when it just turns into the boring Lakers selection of a whole bunch of their young guys. Right, right, because those guys don't move the needle for me. And, no. I, and, I lo- and I love how LeVar Ball is already out in front. Like, uh, yeah, Lonzo would prefer not to play for the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares where Lonzo prefers to play. Yeah, no, nobody cares. I, I, and I, I don't think he's going to be traded before the trade deadline. Okay, so where do you think he ends up? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think, I, I do, I, I think he... I'm, I'm going to say he ends up in Boston. Yeah, I'm gonna say I, ends up in Boston, but I, but it, yeah, and and that's gonna be, but I don't say that, you know, I'll maybe I'll give that like a twenty percent, which is just more than anything else. My hope is that it's before the deadline and that it shakes everything up, but I think it's not. I think it's gonna wait. I think they're gonna wait. I think Vegas odds has Celtics first as as to where Anthony Davis will start next season. Celtics was first, I think. Lakers second, and, and Pelicans third. I think is what is what Vegas. I just had. I just want some other team just to go all in and say, we want the East because I'd I'd much rather be an Eastern Conference team. We want the East, and then give us the Warriors, and we're gonna put Anthony Davis out there against the Warriors. I just want that to happen so badly. Oh I, I, well, I, I, I think I think the league needs it too. I, I'm with you, and I want to get into the to the Anthony Davis Warriors impact in a moment. But I am curious about what this does now for for Anthony Davis in terms of him being the villain. You know, he's sort of been the the quiet, understated star in the NBA. And does this do to him what you know has happened to no. Durant? No, to no. what happened to Carmelo when when Carmelo was was wanting out of Denver? What, what what do you think his reputation no. becomes? No, I, I think the KD thing is on a completely other level because Draymond was recruiting him all year. He sent him a text, and and they had just lost to the Warriors the playoff when up, series when three one. They're up when they're up three one. Exactly. That is, I, I don't. I put KD in a com, completely separate bucket and in a bucket where he will remain forever. That is that is nothing to. I I can't I can't compare any of these things. And so, all right, so he's, you know, and, and the problem is that nobody cares about the Pelicans. Nobody cares about the New Orleans franchise. It, that like is last, what it is. Like last year, it was great. Like the Pels, they swept, they swept the Blazers in the first round of playoffs. I don't care what seeds mm-hmm. are. They swept the Blazers in the first round of playoffs. And, and they, were, they were a great story. And then, of course, the Warriors got them. No, there is, and it's. Jonah Carey, I did read this story. Jonah Carey from uh, CBSSports.com is a great baseball writer. He wrote, yep. and, and he was talking about Mike Trout. He's like, does someone in baseball need to do this? Like, they're, like Anthony Davis isn't taking any heat at all. And, <laughs> and frankly, morally, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's right what he's doing. You know, the guy's under contract. You play out your contract. But then you start thinking, all right, well, of course, you want to be in the best situation. So you want to... You know, so you're you're you can't have it both ways. You're caught between a rock and a hard place. You you cannot have it both ways. You want to be in the you want to be in the right situation, and it means that you're going to be making this other party and the Pelicans 
um, being hot water. You, you, just, you, you simply cannot have it both ways. But uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody is going to have any sort of ill will towards Anthony Davis because I don't think Anthony Davis, again, he hasn't said anything. We don't know, we really don't know anything about him. Um, and no one cares about the Pelicans. The, the shame in it all is with Boogie Cousins going down last year with the injury, uh, the torn Achilles. I, yeah. It's, it's such a shame because, not just for, for the sake of his injury, but also you wanted to see, okay, what would happen if Anthony Davis was aligned with another huge star? Right. Uh, obviously a unique star in that they were both bigs and they were putting up historic numbers for two front court players. But you wanted to see that. And so now when you start to get into that question of like, how much do you blame him, like, is it, is it a bad thing morally or ethically? For a guy, if he actually is turning down the money and telling the team early, hey, listen, I, I don't want to be here, so I don't care what you offer. You could offer me $240 million. Right, which and right, which they will be. be. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, I wonder if that's a bad thing because we complain about these guys only caring about the money, and then the moment that they, that they go the other way and say they want to win, but it's like in today's game, it's almost like, yeah, you're saying you want to win, but you're kind of saying more so, like, I need other guys to do it. And by the way... The Warriors, and this is the point that I wanted to get to, the Warriors have made this the case. Um, you cannot win in the NBA. You cannot win an NBA championship if you're just one guy. And that's now proven. That's that's borne out. I mean, we've seen it with... Even if it's now, two guys. Or, even if it's or two, two and a half guys. You can't do it. So what should players be doing, I think, is, is the question. I mean, look at Kevin Durant. We know guys now care... Elite guys care more now for the most part, more about legacy than they do about, about the, that extra $30 million, which is, which is wild I, that we've reached this point, but they really do. And I think that's why I think Kevin Durant's going to leave the Warriors this offseason. I was telling you b- before the podcast, before you told me your incredible story about uh, your wife who uh, doesn't cry at funerals. Um, yeah, has she ever cried at Think about that one for a moment. Have I been to a funeral with my wife? Uh, hmm. Yeah, we were dating when her grandma died. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, no, she cried there. I okay. don't think we've okay. been to it. I don't think we've been to another funeral together. Oh, the only cried, question no, she's she's cried at weddings, and not, and not just <laughs> okay. wedding, and not just the weddings right. that we were at before we got married. When she was wondering, uh, are we ever going to get married? <laughs> no, no, How's it been this long? Right, right. She, yeah, she's she's cried at weddings. Yeah, so she's not as hardened as you've as you've made her out to be. Right? No, no. She's Okay. Well I mean she's she's just not sitting too far away from me, so I'm gonna oh. that. Oh, okay. All right, good. Yeah. Good. We'll tell her I said hello. I, <laughs> I I I think the I think the K D thing though, I listen, I was telling you before though, before that story, I was telling you that that I had heard that K D was was going to end up with the Clippers because he doesn't like LeBron James. So I think it's interesting if KD ends up with the Clippers mm. and let's say Kawhi Leonard now goes to the Clippers. I mean, how much fun is this, this off season going to be? And, and assuming that Anthony Davis doesn't get moved before yeah. the trade deadline, like you say, now Anthony Davis also has to factor in how am I going to compete? Not just with the Warriors, uh, but, but with, the Clippers as well and some other teams and think about it. And, and the reason KD would want to do that for people who might be wondering is that KD will never be considered the greatest player of all time or in that discussion, as long as he's in golden state, if he were to leave 
and goes to the Clippers and they win titles, now he can start to put himself in that discussion. Playing-wise, in terms of his ability, he is an all-time great. No one's questioning that. But I'm just saying in terms of – we have you heard it, Noah? Has anyone said to you, I think Kevin Durant is in the discussion as greatest player of all time? No, no, no. It's always like he's – you know, where does he rank amongst the great scorers of all time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and like the whole thing with – and I don't want to go down the whole KD rabbit hole, but the whole thing with KD is like – all right, so – and fans is – Okay, so you want to judge guys based on championships, but you want it to be really difficult to get that championship. All right, well, well that just doesn't that just doesn't exist anymore. Like that's why, and that's why Iverson is so loved, and that's why winning Game One in the two thousand one finals is seen as like like Jordan going six for six in the finals, like because it was just because it was really hard. You know, that's all. Yes, and yeah. and and somehow, look, at some point, someone will come up with some metric that measures. And not just PER or usage rate, but they're going to come up with some metric that measures how your value really does play out in comparison to being on one of these super teams. Because we can no longer say anymore that guys guys shouldn't be judged anymore just by the number of rings that they have. I, I think that that's, that's kind of ludicrous because there is an impact that certain guys have. Um, but I, I also understand that Look, a lot of these guys understand. They look at NBA history and say, we look at Charles Barkley and Reggie Miller and John Stockton and Carl Malone differently. Gary Payton. Right. Because and, Bar- they- and Barkley tried. He tried. He demanded the trade from Philadelphia. He tried. And then he, he tried, tried to get his ring. He tried to get his ring in Phoenix in 93. One, and one he almost three. did. He tried. He tried. And then Patrick and then Ewing. He tried to get, yeah, he tried to get it in Houston. He tried. Yes. Um, I mean, Wilt, Wilt demanded the trade back in, yes. back in the 60s. You know, I mean, this has, been going, this has been going on forever when, you know, guys want to be in different situations. So this is, you know, this, this, it's, nothing, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Noah, what about, what about the concern now? Does, does Adam Silver have to do something about, I guess, collusion? Or tampering, or or this clutch sports problem, and LeBron James is well. Is, yeah, yeah. is it okay. now? Is it now? Do we have a force that's now too powerful for the league? Yeah, the clutch thing. So the league has always said that they investigated it, and that LeBron is not like essentially LeBron is not making any money off of other players' contracts with clutch sports. Okay. So that so that so that's where it ends. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this it comes up all the time, but the league is, and and all what what else can we do? Like, I mean, we, I mean, I don't have time to do my own investigation, but this comes up, this comes up in every single conversation, and then I always say, well, the league, the league has already done this. It's not like, it's not like this is the first time the league has said, oh, geez, yeah, like, huh, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I mean, LeBron is LeBron, LeBron's a star, he runs the league, and then, um, but he's not. They've concluded that he is not making any money off of. Tristan Thompson's contract or Anthony Davis's contract. But we all, we all know what, you know, we all know what it means. Yeah. We all know, we all know what it means. And and LeBron, LeBron going to Miami, he set the, set the precedent. LeBron, he controls the league. And by signing all those one year deals, LeBron, LeBron changed the league. He's by far the most powerful guy in the league. Yes. No question. I mean, this is the same guy that got his head coach fired when they were winning the East. They were in first place in the East and, and got oh, his yeah. coach fired. And, yeah. and, and, this, and, and, and he might do it again. Yeah, that's true. 
the, the scale and scope. And I, I think what people need to realize is that LeBron has pulled strings and what makes him the most powerful player in the, not just most powerful player, most powerful person, as you point out in the league is that he's able to pull strings for, for future setups. I mean, he was determining who the Cavs would have as their head coach if he decided to go there. I mean, that's how powerful this guy is. Oh, no yeah. one else carries that kind of weight, you know, around. <laughs> and how about and how about this week? Richard Jefferson, I think he was on NBA radio, actually. And, and Richard Jefferson was asked about, like, the job that Luke Walton's doing. I mean, oh, you played with, you played with LeBron. So, you know, what do you think of the job? Uh, that's his best friend. Luke, Luke Walton and Richard grew up Jefferson with are, him. Right, they're they are best friends. So, I mean, oh, <laughs> just you know, like I, I'm, I'm always confused about like, oh, well, RJ said no, they're doing a great job. Oh, he played with LeBron, great. Well, Luke Walton's best friend. So, I, I mean, I again, I'll go back to. I hope that, and maybe we can close. Maybe we can end with this for on the AD section. I hope that the something is done before the deadline. And it's to an Eastern Conference team who's saying, F it, we're all in. And we've got him for two years for two playoff runs. And here we go. And their fan base can, can be fired up about it. And it gives some sort of challenge to the Golden State Warriors. Yes. But I'm, but I'm leaning towards the Boston Celtics in the offseason. And you're just saying Eastern Conference because AD in the East is, is scary. Whereas yeah, like the right, Trailblazers... Right. Right, because I like I still things. don't think they beat the I still don't think they would beat the Warriors. Like I'm talking about, like getting to you. the like getting to the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. Be awesome! It'd be awesome. What do you I, think? I I once again have to have to agree. I I think it would be so exciting. I mean, I'm just imagine now. Dame Lillard already gives the Warriors fits, and so to imagine him and Anthony Davis, the one guy that's sort of the uh, ointment, you know, the, the ointment, the fly in the ointment for, uh, for, for the Warriors yeah. could ultimately be Anthony Davis, which is what makes him so appealing to the Celtics. So I, I would, if I was to put a prediction on it, I really think that the Lakers are the team that ends up with, Ugh. with Anthony Davis. And it, it's going to disgust me, not because I'm a Laker hater, but more so because I just think it, they could do so much better. I really do. I think they need to think outside the box and they could do so much better. But you know what, Noah, both being guys with, uh, you know, South or, Southeastern PA backgrounds, let's uh, let's pull for the Celtics. To, I mean, the Celtics. <laughs> something something I never Sixers. said ever as a kid. Yeah. You know, I'm I, I'm thinking about our producer again, Bruce Bernstein, who is the uh, ultimate you're Celtics about him, fan. You're thinking about him too much. Way too much. But I, Sixers would be super exciting. I think. Can you imagine? That would be that would be fun. Uh, it'd so be great. Uh, it would be great. It'd be great. All right, let's get to. Next week's headlines. All right, no, before we get to next week's headlines, time for a word from Pure Hoops Media. This show is called Catch and Shoot with Noah and myself. I hope you knew that already because you've been listening for I did. nearly an hour. I, I knew you did, but I, the, I'm talking to somebody out there, Noah. Mm. You, you got to go long. You got to go along with this. Uh, there's a new one of these shows every Wednesday, the Pure Hoops podcast with uh, Bulls legend and current NBA agent BJ Armstrong, along with co-host Eric Newman, drops a new episode every Friday. And Mondays, we have a fresh version of the Wise Ass Show with basketball journalist extraordinaire Mike Wise. Love listening to Mike's podcast. His insights and guests will always tell you something 
you thought you knew, but you actually didn't. Check out all three shows each week wherever you get your podcasts. And please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell us that we're doing a great job, or at least Noah is doing a great job. I love working with the guy. That was fascinating. Oh, you're so sweet. All right. Next week's headlines. But first, let's look back at last week's headline prediction. So I said Joel Embiid was going to drop 35 on the Nuggets. Well, he didn't play, so that didn't work out. But I did say that <laughs> LeBron would get to the point where this week he'd say, all right, <laughs> screw this. You guys, you guys are awful. I'm back. And he kind of did with the, with the rumors coming out about Luke Walton and his job and Anthony Davis calling <laughs> for a trade. That, and, and then LeBron, LeBron working out and uh, like he's, he basically did that without saying, I'm back. So I think I, I, think I, I, think I kind of hit that one. I think you aced it. I think you aced it. But no, I don't think you, I don't remember one of mine. I know I, I, I had two last week. One of them, though, I know for sure that I did ace. Uh, oh, wait. So you don't remember the, the one that you didn't, that you, that you I, failed I, on? I'm, oh. I'm, I'm pretending to not, not yeah, recall. Yeah, that's, that's, that's convenient. That, that one. Yeah, that's convenient. Uh, but what I do remember, and I'm sure you remember, I said that James Harden would top the Rockets. Uh, record for points in a game which was which was his own record of 60 and what did he do the next night Noah? yeah <laughs> 61 he scored 61 and everyone went crazy so yeah, crazy. um we we have the 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 whole um next next week's headlines thing figured out i think so yeah something like that but no that was that was pretty awesome that was pretty awesome you really i mean i had to stretch to get my lebron one you you nailed that one what do you have what do you have for this week fellas what do you see in your crystal ball? The first one, I'm going to stick with the Rockets now, and I'm just going to go more a team concept here, Noah. Rockets are rolling is next week's headline. Now they've won three in a row, and for as great as James Harden has been during this stretch, and I got into an argument with a future brother-in-law uh, a few days ago who thought it wasn't impressive. Over he this? basically Over how good James Harden's been. He, he, he said that, that the streak wasn't that impressive to him. He said you can pretty much put anybody in that situation, oh. tell them to shoot a lot, and it'll it's like happen. like your sister, like, like ugh, does your sister I don't, really I'm, love I'm, him? I'm telling her, thinking about calling off the, the whole deal now. Uh. He's a good kid, but, um, you know, study up, study up. Uh, but what, what I would say, though, is for as impressive as Harden's run's been, Chris Paul's return is exactly what Harden has needed. Gives him a break with the ball handling. Gives him another guy that's going to take some tough shots. And by the way, they just recently won their first game scoring under 105 in over a month. So they don't need to now go crazy and outscore you anymore. So I actually think the Rockets are going to win the next few. Rockets are rolling. It's not just going to be the James Harden show is the headline for next week. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Warriors and something simple that – Warriors streak hits 13, lucky number 13, because they're going to beat the Sixers at home on Thursday. They only have two games this week. They've got the, uh, the Sixers on Thursday, and then they've got the Lakers at home on Saturday. W. On an ABC, on an ABC game. W. And they, are, they are going to smoke the Lakers. It, that's one of those, like the Warriors have a few statement games, as if the Warriors need to make a statement. They are going to smoke the Lakers on Saturday night. So that's that's uh, that's, that's my first one. That's going to be one of those. We don't even wait till the third quarter to turn it on. We'll do it in the first half. Yeah, right? that's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And my second one before um, I'll give my second one right now. 
so I think we're going to be talking about that the all-star draft next year is not going to be on the same day as the trade deadline. So trade deadline day is February 7th and the mm-hmm. all-star draft is February 7th. And I'm surprised that, well, I guess the NBA couldn't avoid it because they always do. They want to do the all-star draft on, on a TNT night. Although it would have been nice if they gave it to NBA TV to give, to give them some love um, and boost some sort of rating. But anyway, so they give it to TNT and they can't move the trade deadline and it has, has to be the Thursday night before the all-star game. So uh, before all-star week. So it's next year. They're not going to do that because the NBA likes to make headlines where they can. And when you have two events on the same day, that's not a, that's not an NBA thing. Yes. I, I love that. I love it. I, it, it, it shouldn't even be the case right now. I'm glad that you're pushing for that. I'm glad that you're hopeful about that. I think that will be the headline. I, I love that Noah. So I'm looking out for that headline this week. Good. How about them Hornets? You see, I, Said you nobody the, ever. <laughs> well, this is true. And I have family in Charlotte, and they haven't they haven't said that. Can I stay uh, with them during the All Star game? Oh, yeah, you absolutely could. Nice place. You might. It, are you okay staying on a couch? Yeah, sure. I didn't. I didn't know how how you feel about that. I didn't know if you were one of these guys that needs to be in a bed. No, that's cool. Okay. Well, I, the way I look at this Hornet situation is more so talking about the bottom half, the playoff teams in the East. It seems like you look at some of these teams. Look, the bottom feeders in the East are all tanking. That's a given. But you look at sort of where the playoffs shake out. The Hornets right now in eighth place. Uh, they are at the Celtics on Wednesday night, then home against the Grizzlies Friday, home to the Bulls on uh, on Saturday. I think by this time next week, Noah, we're talking about a team that's at least won two or three maybe three or three, and they'd won five of their last seven. I think the Hornets are going to start establishing themselves only because the other teams near the uh, bottom of the playoff seedings in the East uh, don't really care. Like, it seems like everybody's nonchalant. No one's consistent. The Nets, who have been pretty hot lately, you know, lose Spencer Dinwiddie for a long stretch. So I just think the Hornets are the one team in the back end of the East playoff standings that I think is going to have a chance to move up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you, you lost me when you said, here come the Hornets. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You're I think sleeping. I, I think I blacked sleeping. out. I think you don't I even need the couch. I think I blacked out. <laughs> here, come, here come the Hornets. Here come the Hornets. I sound like their PR guy. Like, Yeah, yeah, I wanted that I wanted that radio job at this offseason. I was a finalist for that radio play-by-play job. So I, did, I spent some time on the phone with their PR guy. Oh, I thought I was okay. going to get I thought I was going to get the job, but I didn't get the job. So uh, You should have said, here come the Hornets. Yeah, I, I yeah, I pretty much said everything that I that okay. I thought I should have said, but uh, you know what can you do? What can you do? All right, let's uh, let's go off the rails. I think we're about to go off the rails. So we started by uh, with a story about my daughter. I'm gonna I'm gonna close with another quick one. Glitter is the worst, the worst, <laughs> and it's it's on my mind like pretty much every day, and and Eden knows that I hate glitter also, and. Like, even today, like, we had to go into her class this morning and talk about how she got her name. So my wife and I went in this morning. You talk for 10 minutes, and that's it. And the chairs that the teacher gave us to sit down on, full of glitter. Oh. Like, I, like I, I felt like I, I just left a rave or something, and I left her. <laughs> I left pre-K. It's, like, if a teacher wants to increase their, their tip at the end of the year, their gift at the end of the year, a holiday gift, whatever. You tip I, your teachers? Yeah, you give like holiday gifts, like class holiday mm. gifts and stuff. Why did you? Why would you wait to the end of the year though? If you're gonna no, no, you do. No, you do it in uh, do it holiday time. 
uh, you do teacher appreciation, and then you do also do it at the end of the year. See, yeah, I would so do it right like, before a big test. Uh, well, fourth grade, you know. I'm not fourth grade. She's four years old. So, okay. and um, fair so, enough. Yeah, right, right before the big glitter toss, we give her a big tip. But I think the I think the teacher should I think it should be like her thing. I think teachers should say every year, like a weekend, send a letter home to the parents, say, you know, I've really been thinking about this, and I I'm not gonna do any projects with glitter. I, I just too messy, and like that becomes like her bit. And every teacher is like, oh, she's the greatest. Like, that's that's amazing. Because I just, there's glitter everywhere in our apartment. And, and, Eden, and Eden knows it and she does, she does do a pretty good job containing it. But glitter should be banned from anywhere Outland. except the classroom. And please, if, if you have a glitter that is all over some art project, invite me in to see it in the classroom. Do not bring it on. So it's like it's like the opposite of of peanuts, right? Like where they don't allow them in classrooms, but you can have them outside and right. And glitter in is encouraged. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. God. I well, and listen. I agree. Having two daughters of my own, I I totally uh, I understand. There, it's a horrific experience to try to get glitter out of out of anything. Um, you know, it's you know what's funny? We didn't plan it this way, Noah. Yeah, but um, we don't plan anything. Did we? That's true. But speaking of glitter, it makes for a good segue uh, about a, a quick, quick, quick story about the uh, craziest, one of the craziest nights of my life. That it started in a in a strip club in in Kansas. <laughs> I um, love how we go from my four year old daughter to a strip club in Kansas. Yeah, I I, I know it, it feels bad that we're going this way. I just planned to tell you this story, even though. Okay. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so we're out and about. I'm in, I'm in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, my first job, I was a news reporter out there. And uh, I remember we used to party with the, the weather guy who would always be at the, uh, at the local strip club. He was like a regular. They knew him there. But somehow I ended up out with him one night. And the way that like Topeka, Kansas was at the, at the time, and I don't know how much it's changed, but the city had like 250,000 people. But the moment that you go outside city limits, I mean, it was tumbleweeds. You know, typical Midwest, like the moment mm-hmm. that you go out of the metropolitan area, uh, there's nothing. But this but this club was like a, a little ways outside of the, the city. And so we go, we're, we're hanging out and I walk into the bathroom and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty drunk. And just as a joke, I turn to this random person next to me and I'm like, where's the party tonight? And I don't know what prompted me to say that. The guy's like, are you serious? We got a party right around the corner here. I said... Oh, okay. Well, so I was with a group of people. We all end up following this other group that we met in a strip club bathroom to their place. It's a condo. Yeah, yeah what else? Yeah. What, what else are you going to do when you're young and living in Topeka, Kansas yeah, on sure. your own, trying to make it as a news reporter, by so the way? So far, all makes sense to me. Sure. We get to this condo. The guy opens up the, the uh, garage door. And in, in their garage was a hot tub. And in the hot tub was like six naked women. I, I can't believe my... Now, keep in mind, I'm still drunk. I can't believe my luck here that I've just walked into like the greatest party of all time. So I decide, <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll get in the hot tub, right? So I, I get in the hot tub with, with these people. A, a couple of friends had, had come with me, get in the hot tub. Um... We're talking to them. It turned out there was a mother and a sister. I mean, a mother and a daughter 
in the hot tub. Stop it. No, it was incredible. And they were boasting about it. I mean, this was, this was unreal. So, uh, we end up talking to these people, and I guess I must have revealed like too much about myself, of course, as, as typically happens. Anyway, I go to like, leave. Like, like you're doing with this story. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. So I go to leave. I'm, 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 now driving back to, uh, I'm now driving back to my place, and I realize, you know, oh, I, I forgot my hat. I had left a hat there. I, of course, have to go back. And I'm thinking to myself, why would I leave, right? It's, it's, it's like this once-in-a-lifetime right, that, that was my question. And, why did you Right. Like, Why did I leave? How, how, did you so, just, how did you just yada, yada, yada your way and then like I left? Yeah, I just, that, well, that was the thing. So I, I, I thought it was a good idea to leave and then I probably had second thoughts and so subconsciously leave the hat there. But regardless, I know I have to go back. I go back to the house, uh, back to this, um, and, and I go into the garage again um, and the guy that was like running this thing that I had met at the club like says, hey man, why don't you come inside? I'd love to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, that was so nice of you to bring me to this house that has a whole bunch of naked women in the hot tub. We go in the place. And no joke, Noah, there are naked women walking around this condo. Like, what? casually. Like, that doesn't happen. It just, I, that I've seen. It's not my experience that was, I've was experienced. This, was this. this some sort of, like, illegal ring he's running? Well, so, so we, get to, we get to the next part. So he's like, hey, man, why don't you come out back for a little bit with me? I, this is serious. So I, I go with him. We go out back. He's got a porch and we sit down and it's him and I, and then like two of his friends. And it starts to dawn on me now, like all my friends are now gone because they left initially yeah. when I did. And it was probably a dumb move to, for me to come back, but I wasn't thinking straight. And he's sitting down and he starts saying, so wait a minute, you're, you do, uh, you do the news here. You were saying. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's news reporter is what it is. And now keep in mind, a news reporter in Topeka, Kansas at this time, I was making seven sixty nine an hour. I look on the middle of this table of this this deck furniture and there is this gigantic bowl of cocaine like out out of Scarface. I do. Jesus. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a drug guy. I'm not a drug guy. So. I'm like, all right, this is a bad situation. I need to get myself out of it. I shouldn't be here. But I'm also, meanwhile, still turning around and seeing in the living room these right. women walking around. So it's sort of like maybe I should stay for a little while. And he, but I don't realize the guy's hinting to me like he's like, so you're in news. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you better not say a word of this ever. Right, of course. Right. And I'm like now realizing, oh, he's threatening me to leave. So I'm like, you know what? It's been so nice to meet you guys. You can forget that we ever met or this ever happened. Uh, I hope you guys have a great night. I left. I think I left the hat in the place, so I didn't end up with the hat. Drove home that night safely. Never saw the guy again. But I have to say it's one of the wildest nights of my life, and I appreciate that uh, you got me there with your, your glitter segue. Jesus Christ. Yep. yep. When was the last time you, you told your boys that story, that you guys talked about that? Uh, I haven't really talked to the people in Topeka in a long time, to be honest with like, you. Did you guys, no. all right, so after that night, because I know mm -hmm. if you could have told me more details about this story, and you'll do it offline, because you, you would have actually told, you would have Actually, that is most said. of the details, that, honestly. But yeah, if I have a couple more, I'll fill Right, it. right. Sure. So, w what, were you, what were your conversations like the next day with the people who you were at the party with originally? Well, I think everyone started it with, hey, well, I, the people that went with us uh, said, wait a minute, we got there because you met some dude in the bathroom? 
uh, which was weird enough, right? So that that was those conversations. And then the people that weren't with us also asked that question, but they said, what the hell did you get into last night? We heard it was some weird stuff. Uh, and then I heard that like a few of the people I had first gotten there with left right away because they recognized immediately how bad of a scene it was. But uh, I did not. I did not. In fact, I thought it was quite enjoyable. And I still, I still think back finally, fondly to that mother-daughter combo. I, I, they were very nice people, if you're, if you're wondering. I wasn't wondering. Okay. okay. I mean, I was thinking about other things, but I was not wondering if they were nice people. No. Um, no. No. I know. It's a fascinating story, and it really I, happens. It, it, Topeka, it, it, Kansas like, has like some it, crazy stuff outside the city limits. Like, it makes me think of, like, when I went to a Vegas pool party, and I, I at a, for a bachelor party, and I said to my buddy, like, who are these girls' fathers? Like, I can, I can never have a daughter. <laughs> and, of course, I have a daughter. But you can, you can look back on a mother, daughter. Ah, oh, dude. This it is, was crazy. I got it. It was. Crazy. I, I, we got to say we got to say thanks to everyone in the Pure Hoops Media world and uh, like clip this story separately and get that out because like I, I, I just don't want to say anything dumb. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 no, it's been it's been a pleasure doing this last podcast with you that yeah. we'll ever do. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the Pure Hoops Media team will not have us back. It's been a pleasure. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Hey. I'm. I'm, I'm I actually, I'm stunned. Uh, yeah, I gotta get the uh, my way to the airport tomorrow. I gotta gotta give you a call. <laughs> get the rest of that story. <laughs> All right, so uh, remember to to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. Share it with all of your friends. Uh, if you can get through the hoops talk, you you get stories like it like this at the end. I guess uh, I guess I gotta step up my game. Adam, yeah, pleasure. Thanks, pal. Hey, it's it's been awesome. We should probably thank to Jeff James, Jeff Turner, yeah, Bruce Bernstein, the whole pure team. It gets cut out every week. It gets cut it out. It does. Every week. It does. But I, I really want to say thanks to them this week for uh, for giving us the chance to do at least three episodes this podcast. <laughs>